Welcome to The Summit Club, a weekly podcast series where I uncover the stories, the strategies, the pain and the elation behind the most highly performant people on earth. Summit Club is based on one simple idea, that in the climb of life, there is no summit. Join me as we interview the very best performers across all human endeavors, as we uncover the tools and templates that they use to maximize their potential in their efforts to get to the summit. My guest today is Liam Evans. He's a YouTube creator, e-commerce design and marketing specialist from London. He's also my business partner at Unorthodox Digital, which is our Web3 marketing consultancy. I met Liam a year ago during a time when we were both making super similar videos on YouTube documenting the NFT bubble of 2021 and 2022. Liam's, without a doubt, the highest output professional I've ever seen. His output is fucking mental. We also have a load of fun working together. <laughs> Liam, welcome to the Summit Club, mate. Thank you, mate. I appreciate you bringing me on. So excited to be here. I speak to you almost every day, but it's so much different when we're actually in a situation like this and I'm on the Summit Club. This is a dream come true. <laughs> mate, it's, you say we speak to each other almost every day. We speak to each other guaranteed yeah. every day. I speak to you more than my girlfriend at this point, but I'm happy with it because you make me money and she costs me money. So we're all good. <laughs> 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 oh, I love it. So, mate, thank you so much for joining me. Um, I find you an incredibly fascinating character. And one, to be honest, I feel very fucking fortunate that I get to work alongside every day. We do have a lot of fun together um, mm. in the little trio that we have at Unorthodox. But I think one of the unique things is that we essentially, we're both, to, to some degree, we, we're YouTubers. Like, that's how we met last year, right? We were doing the exact same types of videos um speculative videos on nfts uh during the the nft bubble where we were getting paid to potentially allegedly promote projects um that looking back maybe we were like okay well this was fucking stupid but at the time it felt like euphoria right can yeah. you remember what it can you remember what it felt like but like it was a year like, ago when we were doing it that? was like you know when you used to play sims back in the day when you was a kid right and you'd be like building these houses and you're like fuck i just don't have enough money but then you'd find the unlimited money glitch and you're like oh shit this is how you play sims this is what it actually is and this is what i want to be doing and once you've tasted that you can't go back um so yeah it was literally like unlocking an unlimited money glitch people were pissing and throwing money everywhere um and wherever that's happening i tend to follow and try to uh get my fair share so yeah it was it was a lot of fun i i miss those days well let's talk a little bit about these unfair or kind of like kind of crazy unfair money glitches because that's not the first time you've <laughs> tasted that right like so i i know your story um inside out i know where you've been you've done and loads of businesses you've created lots of businesses you've tried and tested lots of stuff can you remember like a, a time maybe the first time where you were like okay this is I, I feel like I may have cracked the code here I've got the cheat code and don't I don't want to tell anyone can you remember when if you've had that when you had that yeah I, I think like from so we kind of have to go back years and years so at this point I'm like you know late 20s um and I'm in a position now, luckily, where I've had years of experience in what I've done online, e-commerce, running agencies, you know, being a content creator as well, and then doing different things with sort of like guerrilla marketing style businesses that I've set up. We'll touch on that later. But it all kind of started like from since a young age, I've always said, like, I don't want to fucking work for someone. I never did well in school. 
I never really did well with people telling me what to do. Um, I, I guess that's similar to most of the world, but most people can get through that. But for some reason, but I just couldn't do it. Like, so up to the age of 18, I worked for a graphic design studio. It was my first real job. I got paid 15K a year, which for you Americans is like $18,000 a year. And I had to travel into London every day. It was the worst. It was a great job, but the worst pay. And like when I, when I was 18, all I wanted to do was go out, get drunk and, you know, just enjoy my life. So then I kind of came to this realization. I was like, wait, I'm dedicating all of this time to this job to get this amount of money, which I'm still struggling to live on. And then I'd go home and I'd be living with my mom at the time. And my mom's also doing the same thing at her job, except she's 30 years older than me. And I'm like, how does this make any fucking sense? Why, why is anyone, why does anyone do this? It just doesn't, doesn't make sense. So anyway, long story short, we, I quit that job sort of like nine months, 10 months in um, and ended up going to China, traveling around Asia. Uh, we went to lots of different countries and just basically spent all of the savings that I had over that last eight, nine months um, and then moved to Australia. And then whilst I was there, we literally got me and my best mate, we, we got uh, call center jobs where we just honestly, we'd mess around. It was, wasn't taken seriously. Everyone in those call centers in Australia were all backpackers as well. So it was literally just you turn up, you speak to your team leader, he basically says, do as little as possible today. And don't worry, I'll let you get away with it. And it was like, fucking epic, like you get and pay good money. And then you get to go out afterwards and just like have a good life. So like, I had two years of that in Australia, where I, it didn't just reinforce to me that it is just a game, like we're gonna die one day, there is no point us slaving away personally like okay some people will and and they, that's their path and where they're going to head in their journey but for me it doesn't make any sense slaving away for someone else so i kind of had this realization like sitting with me for years and years and years that it's like don't you don't need to be doing these hard difficult things you don't need to go to university you can literally just apply a bit of hustle and a bit of you know graft and you'll get to what you want you know nothing's really impossible so the first time it really clicked was about I was very 22, started dropshipping. That was my entrance point into the online business world. After a lot of, after doing what a lot of people do, sitting on YouTube, looking at how to make money online, that kind of thing. And it was like, okay, yeah, this is, this is where I'm going to go. Because the results that you receive from that is all down to the output, uh, the input that you put in, right? That, that's the output. So you have full control of how much you make, how much you learn, how much you earn. So it just made perfect sense. So a bit of a long-winded answer, but there take us back what were the first things that you started drop shipping can you remember your, yeah. your first like can you remember the very first you're like okay yeah, right yeah. i'm here now I'm, I'm gonna be a fucking billionaire let's go <laughs> yeah i remember so i remember sitting in in my bedroom on my phone and i was scrolling through these different products and i was watching lots of videos and i found like this moon lamp so it, it, it looked pretty cool it's like this little wooden stand this moon lamp on it the moon itself didn't look too much like a moon but having a design background, what I did was I got the product off of AliExpress and I edited a photo of the real moon onto the moon lamp. So it looked like this fucking super high definition moon lamp. And um, like, this is a very rare case, right? And this is early days dropshipping. So it was kind of undersaturated at this point. But we ended up, I ended up posting on a uh, Instagram influencers page. He was doing like this, like Star Wars art theme page. He charged me like $25 to put a post up. He had like 700K followers. And we ended up doing something like 32K in the first month. And I just kept running ads with him like uh, every other day or something like that it was. Uh, so my costs were super low. I'd go back to him and I'm like, yo, can I run another ad? Because in my head, I'm like, 
fucking hell, I'm making like two grand every time I get to run an ad with this guy. And he's like, oh, yeah, sure. And he's like, oh, maybe not today. You know, uh, we're a little, you know, I'm not home or whatever. And I'll be like, oh, that's cool. I'll, I'll give you $100 four times what you're asking. And he's like, oh, yeah, fuck it. Sure. <laughs> little does he know, like we're, we're printing money right now. Um, and yeah, just kind of scaled from that. But like uh, ongoing from that, you know, I was kind of looking at different stores, running a pet one at the same time couple of failures there but the whole process I was learning every single time you know learning how to manage funds learning how to run ads learning how to structure a good ad sales copy all of that kind of stuff so I think like drop shipping is such a good entrance point for anyone looking to get started in online business it's a little bit more difficult now but um, it teaches you what you need to know and it and it gives you enough failures to make you realize that failures are, failures are fine you need them where was your mindset at the time so were you thinking okay, this I'm just learning? Or were you thinking I'm about to like make millions? Was it what? Can you remember what you felt like at the time? Um, yeah, so I think for me, I've always had this really dr big driving force behind me for my mum. And no, like, because obviously, she she's working a job, she's worked there for 20 years, and she gets paid, in my opinion, fuck all for what she's worth. Um, she She's a single mum, she raised me by herself in the house. And you know, she, a lot of costs. She's very stressed about money. So I always have this in the back of my mind, like she's the person that I'm doing all this for and I want to look after my family, right? So I had that driving force whilst I was out there as well. So this whole time I was researching and trying to find products to sell and trying to find businesses to work, you know, that, that was my goal. So when the goal isn't just yourself and you actually have someone to look after from your, your, the end result, you end up getting way more motivated than you would if it was just for you. If I was to say, oh, you know, I just want to make some money for myself. I want to buy a Gucci jacket or a nice car. You're, you're going to get burnt out and you're just going to be like, oh, fuck, this is too long. Like, I'm, I'm pretty happy in life. But when you yeah. portray it onto someone else, that motivation fucking kicks in 10 times as hard. So, yeah, I remember coming back. I was working at a call center at the time, again, selling fire alarms. Um, I'd sit there all day, literally just like researching dropshipping on this second screen, whilst like also processing orders from like these big uh like uh like outback australian guys that would call up like hello mate yeah i need to place an order for 20 taiko fire alarms and i'm like fuck off mate i don't want to take your order <laughs> i'm like i'm trying to make money here <laughs> but, um so yeah i ended up uh, running that in conjunction with the moon lamps and um yeah that first day that i made all that money i just went into that job and i was like yo i'm out so just quit from there um but i honestly did spend like 12 14 hours a day even when I was working at the job, I'd come home 5 p.m., sit there till 1, 2 a.m., working, learning, making stores, you know, optimizing everything that I could. And um, yeah, really put in the fucking work. It wasn't that easy, you know? How many years ago was this? Mm, probably five. No, six. Okay, so six, now, yeah. six years ago. So that was, uh, I, I've kind of been there and done it as well with uh, setting up e-commerce stores, learning how to write ads, create content, create copy, and like, it really does feel like when you're doing everything, you, you're like, okay, right. I'm, I can understand now. I understand this is how I need to position something to sell, sell to someone, or I had, this is a kind of offer I need to architect to be able to get someone like to actually convert. And those are skills, which when I've worked in bigger companies and you've got, say, for example, you've got marketing executive, or you've got a uh, fucking like, you know, sales, like business development representative or something i know that they don't have now looking back i know that they don't have those 
that kind of really unique skill set of like being able to put everything together, which yeah. I think this is what you and myself have. We've got this, we've because we've done everything. We're like, okay, shit, I, I can think about, okay, I'm, I'm going to need content for this. That means I need to instruct a content person or whatever. I need to be able to write sales copy. I need someone that can write all this. Whereas for us setting up a business, because we've been there and done it, we now know who we're going to have to hire. We know all the steps. And that's like, to me, what, what we're doing at the moment, we're kind of, we're being able to do all this quite fast because we kind of know what we need. What do you think skill set wise, if you could think about the top skills that you've learned in the last six, six years or however many years you've been doing, because you've got a fucking load. Like I know all your skills. What would you say would be the priority ones for like a young entrepreneur, wannabe entrepreneur? I'd say like, this is one of my biggest personality traits that I don't really talk about, but deep down, I'm so, so proud of it. Like I'm a fucking hustler. I will, I will, I will hustle you and I'll go into this like interaction together or offer a product. And I know that I'm on top and I'm on top of everyone else because I've thought of something unique and smart that's different. Right. So for example, the moon lamp, like add in a photo of the moon. I was the best fucking photo of this moon lamp online. It was the best looking moon lamp. So the reason why it sold was because it looked so good. And then all these other stores that, you know, started using the moon lamp would then steal my artwork, for example. So that for me was like, okay, this is my, this is my secret weapon here. My design skills and just like being able to think like, how can I give myself this extra leg up? That's what people need to be focusing on because yeah, right now I'm just like, you see so many people trying to sell the same thing. Nothing's different. Um, they're not really thinking outside the box. Uh, but yeah, being a hustler, I think, is one of the biggest skill sets I've picked up over the last, well, probably since being 16. I remember washing cars and uh, finessing people, you know, based on being a cute little kid who'd knock on your door and, hey, would you like your car washed? You know, so. <laughs> that, rem that reminds me of a story that Gary Vee talks about. Um, I think it's Gary Vee talks about how the first time he ever sold stuff was he would go around his neighborhood he'd go and pick flowers from someone's front garden and he'd go and yeah. sell it to the same owner yeah. of that, that flower, the garden. And but it's like, it's just, uh, can you, can you kind of unpack hustling a little bit more? Because I think, mm. especially in the days that we've got kind of Andrew Tate um, and the Tate brothers with Hustlers University, that's now being rebranded. Um, can you, uh, the way I have a bit of a knowing you and knowing what you're really good at. So one of your like absolute superpowers among many others is your, on on calls like sales calls client calls um you are absolutely like world class at taking someone through a discovery process a mm -hmm. process that helps them uncover what they need what they what they want um and not doing it in a pushy salesy way you're you're absolutely incredible at that is that something that you've learned or is that something that the hustling thing is that innate like tell me a little bit more about where the hell that comes from because I, yeah it's a good question like um i guess it it's both learned and then also it's been part of my life since being in school like i always remember i was that guy who could push you right to the edge but you'd never punch me because i'd always make you laugh in some way you know i'd push you to the point of exploding and then you'd be like ah oh, but you know he said this or he's doing this and this is liam we, we you know he's a good guy so i'm very good at you know delivering information um getting my point across, but then also simply like understanding where that other person is as well to a point like emotional intelligence, I think was yeah. like a big part of like growing up and just understanding how that other person's thinking, what sort of objections they've probably got, or, you know, especially in sales, like you go into a meeting, understanding exactly what you want, what the client wants and 
the easiest and less friction way of getting there. So I think like for me, it came from reading as well, a great book, Dal Carnegie, How to Win Friends and Influence People. That is such an epic book. I don't know if you've read it. Yeah, I've got. So I, I actually consider it so important that I have a summary version. Um, and it's a like, it's, it's, it's like 30 pages and it's every single one of the chapters, but summarized into a few paragraphs. Yeah. And for, I use that frequently to go back. And it's, it's funny because like, the, the the summary like really brings out to me the how simple it is really like it's yeah. the simplicity of it but how we don't get taught it we don't you know it's i love it so yeah absolutely and um to, to me seeing you you don't weaponize it but you like no. you, you 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 lever it you leverage it so well um yeah. i've got a question for you and this is around so you talk about how you push people to their limit and I've, I've asked you this before so despite what you can see on your screen right now, or if you're listening to this, Liam isn't five foot three. He's like six, six foot nine. So he's actually really tall. He's uh tall and he's like big, like he's like big belt. He's not, he's not skinny. He's not, um, uh, he's like well-built. I'm small. I'm shorter. Do you think like your height had anything to play any kind of play in like you feeling like you could try and push people a little bit yeah. to their limits? 100% not in school because I was small in school I didn't get tall and when like, you were small oh no no seriously I was like I don't know five five nine I was under six foot when I was 16 so really of like 17 to 18 when I'd left school that's when I started getting big but, oh shit um, what but like yeah I, I agree and it, and being tall is such a powerful like bonus or like a you know cheat code for for life in general I feel like people do listen to you more like when I was 1920 in australia and all i cared about was chasing girls it is the best cheat code to get girls ever like and from that it just builds your confidence when people come up to you and they're like yeah fuck you're a tall dude and like it just feels like okay yeah okay this is this is good i like hearing this stuff and for, you know it's kind of damaging because if it if i turn out to be some ugly tall bastard in the next 10 years then all that confidence would be from nothing but it does build confidence in yourself and that reflects in business i feel like so yeah, I don't know. Like, it's obviously a super unfair cheat code that I got blessed with, but I think being tall, um, yeah, does does help there. That's I, I mean, that's really interesting because I have I can't relate to that. I literally no. can't. It's something that I, despite all of my experiences, my my intent to grow uh, or learn skills, I will never be able to relate to that feeling. And that's something like that's kind of that's kind of weird. It's like one of those unique things where you realize okay, this is just how uh, it's something that I've been blessed with and you can use it. But that's yeah. when, like, I obviously spend a lot of time with you socially and I see, uh, you know, I, could, I see how how you interact with people, um, but it's never in like a force, like it's never in a forceful way. But no. yeah, I've always kind of just wondered if that that had anything to do with it. It's quite no, interesting I, that I, it is. I think it does. I think it, it puts a perception in someone's head when they see, like, for example, if I see a tall guy walk past me who's taller than me, uh and especially if he's got like a good body and a good build i'm like fuck like that's an that's an alpha male right there you know i want him in my circle i don't know i don't know who he is but i, I want to go speak to him because he's like a strong dominant force um so i you know i'm not saying that that's the reason why it helps but there's been studies done that you know taller people get a little bit more attention or they you know when they walk in the room it's a little bit more like they they own their space um so yeah it, i have no clue but yeah, yeah I, I won't complain. <laughs> Do you fucking feel bad for me now? Like when I, I walk in the room, like, when I when I 
Yeah. <laughs> I don't feel bad for you. <laughs> when I walk into a room and it's just, I just feel like a shriveled little prawn and it's just like, yeah, yeah. I just, yeah. But luckily I just, um, I kind of blag it and I, I just go up to um, people. And just, no, you, just you're, you're such a good communicator. Like uh, the reason why I'm so glad to be working with you, like just so your audience knows, you are the best person in a room. You are, you trump me by a mile in terms of speaking to people. Go, no, you do. You're just so charismatic. You're out there. You're, you're just like, I sit back in awe sometimes. And I'm like, holy shit, like this guy's on fire. So props to you, man. Like, don't worry. You don't need to be talking. Well, You've got it. It's I, honestly though, you say that because I, I, I mean, I would echo that with you, to be honest, because when we go to events and we're, it's in a few days time, we're going to be in Paris together for another Web3 conference. And we always really look forward to them because they are just always a lot of fun. We get to catch up with friends that we don't get to see very frequently, mm. have a fun time. Um, and uh, this time is going to be a bit different, though, because we've we've very specifically said that we're going to focus on more on actually like networking, meeting new people. Yeah. So this is a chance for us to actually do this. And um, yeah, I, I, I love going to events with you because it's just like, yeah, well, I, I know that when we can go and we can split things up we don't have to go and speak to the same pe people we can be like okay Lim over there me there mark there and it's just like yeah. shows shows the power of having i guess like really good business partners this is not the first time you've had a business partner um can you tell me a little bit about your journey to where we're where we're at now in the last few years because we yeah. started unorthodox basically nine months ago and we're still super super early uh, agency with what we're doing um but at the same time we see we've got a huge river of opportunity ahead of us mm -hmm. can you tell me a little bit about the journey to get there in the last few years like what have you yeah. been doing up until now so like throughout the since the moon lamp kind of thing uh there was a ton of different businesses that i started that succeeded that failed um all of them were mainly online except for one i'll dive into that in a bit but yeah so for years, you know, I was sat there working away in the office, like my home office, usually in my bedroom, um, just literally trying to find a product to sell, trying to find businesses to start. Uh, a, a really good one was instead of just making Shopify stores to sell products, I would make Shopify stores to sell to people who wanted to make Shopify stores. So I've always found there is a really, really good way to make money if you're selling the shovels to people looking for the gold. Like, and that's, a rule that I kind of really follow. I always consider it with every business that I jump into. It's like, okay, I'm making money here, but how can I make money on the people that also want to make money here, right? And that's exactly the agency setup in a way. Yeah, um, yeah. So, so alongside any online businesses we've done, uh, you know, lots of e-commerce brands, but we've also, I also jumped into the real world business. So I had a luxury aquarium installation company. Uh, me and my best friend at the time, well, it still is my best friend, but. Uh, <laughs> You know, me, me and my best pal, we, we started this business and it was kind of like a passion project. We were both really into fish. And when we were young, he was the guy I was in Australia with, right? So we're always like, when we go back to the UK, let's do this, let's start this, let's try that. And I'm like, okay, cool. Yeah, let's, let's run with this. Because if I can sell incredibly expensive fish tanks, make a living from it and do it every single day, I could probably die happy because it's my passion, right? I was so obsessed and addicted. Like I know so many things about different species of fish corals aquatic plants all the latin names honestly i, I could bore you man well i i know this i know this because we were walking through the duty-free section of one of the airports we were at recently Heathrow. and Heathrow, yeah and, and maybe like 50 meters away behind a bunch of like uh but uh like bunch of uh, counters and tables and stuff and perfumes and stuff you were like 
that's a Indian monk fish or some bullshit. And <laughs> and and it was just like I was like, what did you just say? And you like yeah. pointed over and you you were like, that's a blah blah blah, like something really rare. And I was like, what do you mean? He was like that in that fish tank. And I was like, I was like, what fish tank? So I, I could barely even see the fish tank. And yeah, you had yeah. spotted like the actual like subspecies of whatever tiny little fish was in there from yeah. like 30 meters away it was mental yeah but like th that's that's the thing right and when when something's your passion you you want to learn as much as you can about that thing because you really do enjoy taking that information in so like moving through the fish tank world like i knew a lot of stuff we came back to the uk uh again my background was design and i'd been setting up websites for a few years as well just on the side as like a side hustle so we came back to a market in london that is super old, super aged. They don't have any good websites. They don't have any good branding. So we saw a massive opportunity to say, cool, well, let's set something up here and be that dominant force who automatically comes out the gates looking like the highest level aquarium company who knows their shit. So yeah, we set that company up, set the website up. It was by far the best on the market at the time. Uh, we then started running Google ads, which no one else was doing as well and sitting on top of all of the competition. So it instantly put us up there you know, wrote some fake reviews on Google. Um, you know, we'd email different companies. Well, yeah, okay, so I'm jumping through it here. But one of the key things as well is like going back to this hustler mentality is finding ways to give you that advantage in business. And it was in this business that it worked perfectly as well. So we had all of these ideas, but no idea on how the product was actually delivered, how these guys were actually installing these big aquariums into houses, how they were winning the work and what they were charging. So we set up multiple Gmail accounts of like these Chinese restaurants. We'd call ourselves like uh, Sally at the Guan Guangzhou noodle bar or whatever, right? <laughs> and then we'd email all of these companies and like fill in all of their like quote forms, asking them to quote us for different size aquariums, different panels of glass, you know, whether it was acrylic, whether it was glass, uh, what type of fish it was, whether it was freshwater, saltwater, living coral reefs. Um, and then we'd ask them to give us a monthly maintenance plan and what that looked like and break down everything. Because these guys are dinosaurs and they're desperate for any work, they came back to us and they gave us so much information that we would literally just pull that information and put it into our sales decks. And we, we didn't go cheaper because we had the brand there. We looked the fucking shit, right? So we charged more. We then would win them on pitches where we were charging four or five times the price because we know what they're going in with. We know what they're delivering someone when they're asking for quotes. So it's like this guy sends out Excel sheets and then we were there making custom proposals with like beautiful artwork. We'd like Photoshop logos onto these like uh, maintenance men that we'd get from iStock. So it looked like we had this huge team out there. We, uh, I remember Photoshopping like a logo on like a warehouse where they were making glass and it looked like our fucking workshop. So we looked huge and it was just two 23 year olds <laughs> sat in our home offices or bedrooms, um, you know, running this company who had never set up a fish tank before. So hopefully I don't get sued by any potential clients that may be watching this, but yeah, it, it was a, it was a great experience. And then, you know, we, we ended up selling a couple of fish tanks and these fish tanks weren't cheap. We were, you know, we charged maybe 50 K which in the U S was 70, 75 K. Um, and then we would just fill the gaps and find suppliers who could then build the tanks, deliver the tanks, set up the tanks and fill them with fish. So we were basically just the middlemen who were making, you know, big margins on these sales. So yeah, learned, learned a lot with that business. Um, I've probably gone off your point a little bit here, but, uh, no, nah, no, not at all. Like, cause it's, it's, it's insane to think about how you, you had the, the foresight and the understanding that like for you to win business, you need to 
you need to essentially just see what competition is out there and yeah. figure out a way to make it look like you can deliver better than them. Um, and it's that simple. And it's like, you know, it was a game. You gamified it. You were like, okay, yeah. right. We need to make it look like we we look like this. It's an optics thing. Um, and that's completely fair. That's completely reasonable. Like that is the game of business. The business is making it look, you know, you've, uh, you know, the ultimately it came down to where you're able to deliver it as well, which you were, you were able to deliver the service, yeah. but to win business, winning business is fucking competitive and hard. Like it is very, very, very hard. And you have to think of all these little things. Mm. And it's amazing to see a lot of how many business businesses and businessmen and entrepreneurs actually just don't do that diligence. They don't think about all those little things and they leave, they leave money on the table. They're leaving money on the table because of it, 100%. but it gives opportunities for people like, you know, me and you who are like, okay, well, we are going to think we're going to go that extra step and think about all of those different potential things like a prospect might be thinking about. Yeah. 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 And like the natural default for anyone who's starting a business is like, oh, let's go cheap. Let's get in some clients first. It's like, no, don't do that. Make yourself look like you already have clients charge more, but then your perceived value is way higher. You know, why is someone going to go for you if you're two times cheaper than normal rate, just because you're brand yeah. new, like, fuck that. I'm not using you. I'm just going to go to someone else. I'm not, I'm not your guinea pig. Do you know what I mean? So don't be a guinea pig. <laughs> don't be a guinea pig. And we, we, yeah. this is something that we're both myself and Liam have recently been kind of like, uh, I guess, consuming, uh, Alex Hormozzi's a uh, hundred million dollar offers book, because Monster. essentially, yeah, an absolute beast. He's giving the quite clear cheat codes to businesses very similar to ours. So service-based businesses with like high high ticket price um, products and, and services. And to your point, one of the big things that he says about, you know, charge, you want to charge the premium prices. You want to charge the highest prices. You don't want to have competition because if you charge the premium prices, you then have money, you have more money to deliver it. You yeah. then have more money. You actually can then uh, like be like, okay, well, we've got this money. We can afford to spend money on delivering a really good service. If you if you're just fucking like bottom of the you know bottom of the ladder, um, you don't have any money to actually deliver anything good. No, and this, so this, you're, you're killing yourself. This is it. Like this was what was happening in the UK with the luxury aquarium market. People were going in. They would charge six k to set up an aquarium that we would charge fifty k for. Now, it would cost us the same to make because we were all using the same suppliers. But instead, we then had 40K to then spend on our warehouse and building out more stock and just like in general, just having a pot of cash ready for us, right? So we invested a lot into our warehouse. We opened up an online coral business in UK from those funds. We were the biggest selling coral business for like the first six months until we shut it down. But we literally took over everywhere. We'd turn up at trade shows and we'd have to be kind of secret about it because there's lots of legal things and suppliers don't want to supply you if it's like a conflict against their big accounts and that kind of thing. So we'd turn up to these trade shows, kind of digressing here, but it's a funny story. And uh, they'd be like, oh yeah, there's a there's a company that's set up right now. We're trying to figure out who the guys are. Um, it's called, uh, you know, Politbox. And we're like, fuck yeah, we've seen them. They're, all, they're everywhere. Like the ads just keep fucking spamming us. And he's like, yeah, you know, we've been hit by ads nonstop. They're, they're targeting our keywords. They're, they're, they're sitting on top of us above Google. And I'm like, fuckers, man, you really should find them. <laughs> it's like a Batman scenario, right? Like little do they know I rip off my shirt and I've got the Politbox t-shirt on. It was so epic. Like it felt it so, so good. good. But like all of this stuff just reinforces to you that this whole thing is a game. You don't like... Just think, just be smart. Stop thinking, don't, don't think you have to put in all this work and you've got to like create the best new product. You just have to be fucking smart. Get, get, 
dirty, get in the mud, you know, fucking do some cool guerrilla marketing stuff and uh, figure out what's actually going to bring you results, but also treat it like a game. If it fails, it fails. Press restart, you know, it's fine. Yeah. Because well, your your business didn't fail. You decided to close it down. Yeah. And I think this is something that I'm, I'm going to make some assumptions here that you can potentially like uh, kind of confirm or deny, but like, when starting a business, and this is something that I've, when I've started previous businesses before, I've, you come to realize, okay, well, it's, there's, there's a total addressable market, right? There's a cap to whatever you can earn with any business like that, that that's like how much you can potentially go and make is dependent on how much potential need or how much need or demand there is for products and services. Now I'm going to assume the demand for luxury kind of aquariums um, and fish tanks, like there's. It, it, it's not a, there's not a huge potential massive market there right like because yeah. that's a there's, super niche super niche yeah there's three things so the first is yes the niche itself is kind of limiting right there's there's not unlimited scalability you can't just go to everyone and sell them a 50 grand fish tank so your target market is pretty small number two this was a passion project when i first started both me and my best mate loved this and by the end of it, I fucking couldn't look at another fish tank. I'm, I was sick of it. So it completely destroyed the love of having these tanks and like, you know, caring for these fish and caring for these animals. And it was like, all right, well, I'm bored of it now because I've associated money with it. And this tank at home isn't making me any money. So just get rid of it, you know? And that yeah. was kind of sad for me because I genuinely loved it so much. Um, and then number three, I had e-commerce brands that were generating me like quarter of a million in profit every month. And they were getting neglected because I'd have to go out and do fish tank maintenance. That was paying me fuck all. And it's like, what what the fuck am I doing? I need to like <laughs> reshuffle priorities. But these were all lessons. You know, these are all lessons that I had to learn to then take forward onto my next business and understand like that I'm not going to make them mistakes again. So yeah, th those are the three core things that kind of drove us to say, all right, let, let's leave it because it just doesn't make any sense anymore, right? Yeah. Well, let's talk a little bit about the next thing then, because sitting over your left-hand shoulder is on on the, the back of your wall just there yeah. is um, it's kind of like, it's a disc, right? Or a, a gold vinyl. Is that, yeah, it's that like a gold vinyl? Yeah. It's a gold vinyl. So you just dropped a pretty crazy statement there. You said you were making a quarter of a million a month mm -hmm. in profit from your e-commerce brand whilst you're doing the, the fish tank company that yeah. is uh that's like an like an utterly insane number yeah. there are enterprise fashion brands that don't make that much profit they're they're you know these with with hundreds of employees i worked it out the euros were on at the time and i was making more than gareth southgate i was like yeah this is good Okay, right. Tell us, unpack this then, because this is crazy. So that's a crazy wild number, a quarter of yeah. a million per month. And tell us a little bit about what what was happening, like where what were you doing? And, you know, if we're talking about contrast, right, like the contrast from running a fish tank kind of aquarium, bit luxury aquarium business where you're having to run out, do maintenance and inst installations versus what were you doing to make a quarter of a million a month in profit? Yeah. So I was selling an online digital product that had zero product cost that I had found through someone else on Etsy. It took me probably an hour and a half to set up. And by the first day, it would generate me 500 a day in profit. And then I just scaled it. So this is what I mean. It's literally a fucking game. Like people take it too seriously. And they're like, oh, you know, I'm going to spend four hours building this website out and do this, do that. 
No, just test everything and anything. Go through as many failures as you possibly can. It's a numbers game, right? It's like the same when you go to a nightclub. You go and speak to a girl. First girl says, fuck off, I've got a boyfriend. It's like, all right, cool, next one. No, I'm not interested in you. You're, you know, in your case, you're too small. <laughs> uh, yeah, in, in, you know, I'm not interested. And you go to the next one, the next one, the next one. It's like eventually you're going to find a girl that is interested in you. And it's the same with business. You try as many things as possible. You don't give up and you're going to land on something and you're going to crack it. So that's exactly what happened here. It was kind of like two years of like quietness, wasn't really making a ton of money, uh, had a couple of had a couple of wins, but they went to paying rent and, you know, that kind of thing. So I then landed on Etsy as a platform and I was like, holy shit, this is such a good way to get product research done because these guys are making money already. But most of the time, they're elderly people, maybe like in their 50s or 40s that have set up these craft stores that are then selling them on the side. But there's like a small niche of these different services that are super weird. I don't really want to go into too much detail in terms of what the product was because we're still selling it. But it's uh, it was a digital service that they were only selling on Etsy. And I saw all these people talking about it on TikTok. They were getting super excited. It was kind of like a viral trend at the time. So all I did was I just took what they were selling. I made it on my own website on a ClickFunnels, which again, I had tons of experience in because that's what I was building products on prior to that. And then I started running Facebook ads and Instagram ads to that click funnel. And again, I had learned that over the last two or three years. And I think that's also key, like knowing that I had all this experience from all those failures. Like that's why they're so important, right? If I hadn't had them, I would have no clue how to run these Facebook and Instagram ads. So then, yeah, we started pumping uh, funds in. I'd wake up in the morning, 7 a.m. And there'll be 10 grand in, uh, in, in, the, in the bag, you know? So I'm like, fuck, all right, this is a cheat code and uh, I've got to ride it as long as I can. But then I'd wake up, put the uh, aquarium maintenance kit on and go out and make no money in the real world. But <laughs> what was funny is I'd go and speak to these clients and they'd be like talking like shit to me. And I'm just like, bro, I'm making fucking quarter of a mil a month. Go fuck yourself. Like uh, <laughs> if they were shit clients, I'd just be like, fuck off. Like, I'm not interested. You're done. You know, so it, it felt good having that power. And you didn't really care about whether your real business was making money because this like internet business that was so low cost, so profitable was running in the background. Yeah. You just like lose all perception of what's normal. So uh, can we talk a little bit about the nuts and bolts of that? So you're running ads and because if we're, when we talk about those numbers, yeah, those, uh, I mean, what, what levels, how much were you, how much were you putting in on ad spend? Uh, like, per day when you're absolutely maxing out yeah i'd say so over like eight months we spent one point 1.2 million pound in facebook and instagram ads which is obviously a huge amount of money um yeah. but then that brought us i think it was close to 2.6 million in revenue and like i said the product cost was zero um i had a team in the philippines again because i'd read tim ferris's uh, for our work week and understood that outsourcing was the way to go um i had team in the philippines i had two people actually three people it was a girl that girl her brother and her sister working together i was paying them like 50k a year each so for like eight months they were on like making a bag they ended up buying like a pharmacy they paid for their dad to get like a kidney transplant it was epic it was so so good and like they were running everything. They were doing everything. I set up systems in place like Zapier to port all information over to then feed into the VAs. They would then deliver and there'll be like automated customer service emails and that kind of thing. So yeah, I, I mean, that was 
literally it. it is as simple as that it was an email deliverable product and yeah um i just put systems in place so that meant that i didn't have to do the fucking work which Mate. i think a so, lot of people mess up on yeah for sure um well, that's something that we think about at the moment uh quite a lot so uh, like hormozy talks about this being like okay well if you're when you're scaling the you've got to ask yourself uh, like a question like if, if if you have something that you want to delegate the yeah. question process should be can i can i automate this process um if the answer is like kind of no then it's like do i need to then hire someone to be able to do this mm. and it's like can like it now it's like can ai do this can yeah. i can ai do it yes or no can i automate it yes or no with ai and if there's not if if those two are like are like no that's the only time you're like okay well now i can i should consider an ex adding the expense of hiring someone yeah the reason I'm sat here is because I read the four hour work week uh, in 2010 when I was at university. I was in like, and I, this is where I've got such a contrasting story to you in that I did seven years of fucking university and I don't do shit mm. like with any of the information that I learned in those seven years. But I learned, I read the four hour work week in my, I think fourth year of seven. So four, four out of seven years. And it was like a penny drop moment. I was like, immediately I knew I was like, I'm not going to be, uh like i'm not going to work as a medical practitioner i'm not going to just sit there just fiddling around with people in people's mouths all day i want to be an entrepreneur but it's now taken me it's 13 years now 13 years before i finally feel like i'm in a position where i've got the skills and the experience to actually put every pull everything together and yeah do do something when did you read that book i read that book a month before I started dropshipping. I think that was like my really? entrance point into it was the first book I'd ever read as well. I didn't ever read before that. I was it's one of reading. my yeah, it's it's super super funny because it is a book that uh again we've mentioned Alex Formosi. He he also is the same. He like says that that is that book. He read it again like you yeah. know years ago. And that was the thing that was like, okay, instead of I'm um, instead of me being an employee, I want to be an entrepreneur. Yeah. And it's incredible that the book really like stands the test of time because it was before Instagram. It was before Facebook. It was yeah, written yeah. in a time that where, that where we didn't have Shopify, we didn't have all these platforms, but it's kind of weird how all of the people that we're, you know, we've, you know, uh, work with and our peers all seemingly were directed by that book. And yeah. I just find it quite super interesting. Yeah. I feel like you, you can tell an entrepreneur that's been in it for a while just by the way they sort of manage their work workflow and workload right if someone's like all right we can we can automate this we can do this we can use this tool for that we can hire in vas to do this it's like oh shit this guy's this guy's a veteran he knows his shit you know he's read a couple <laughs> of books it's, it's, it's the newbies that are like oh yeah i just sit there grinding 15 hours a day making yeah. money like or trying to make money yeah it's like yeah keep going you got a couple of years left until you uh you, you really crack it you got a lot more failures ahead of you but um, yeah, it's, yeah. It's, just, it's just a mindset, right? And this, this whole yeah. online business thing is a mindset. It's ridiculous when you think about it. We're sat here, we're typing a, fuck, a, a couple of uh, sequences of keys, few mouse clicks, and that generates us millions in dollars, depending on which ones we press in what order, right? Yeah, <laughs> so yeah, yeah. It's it, so it's crazy. It's nuts. Yeah, and um, when you put it like that. Yeah, and you know, I think personally, you know, you said it took you, a long time because you went to university but going back to this product that was making all this money each month the money was great my lifestyle didn't change too much because 
well, I was buying the shoes that I wanted. I was buying the clothes that I wanted. I bought a nice car. Uh, I bought a house. But it's like, that was it. I didn't, I didn't go to like, I don't know, helicopter rides. I, I, you, whatever rich, crazy rich people do. I'm just not interested in it. I'm not going to be like, all right, cool. I'm only going to be drinking sparkling water that costs 50 pound a bottle from now on. It's like, no, I'll drink fucking tap water. I'm from like, yeah. a gr- <laughs> uh, my, my background is not that, you know, I'm fucking very... Uh, <laughs> brought up understanding that you got to work for your money and i think that's what people don't realize people are always so just excited to get to that point of making the money and having that money but nothing really changes and the best part about making that money is the process of making that money that's what's really rewarding like just making the money itself like it got too easy at, at some point so yeah. i'll be like oh, yeah great like money coming in it's boring as fuck though and i'm not really enjoying it and it's like you got to slap yourself. I'd say that to my girlfriend. She'd be like, what the fuck are you on about? Like, I'm working my ass off over here, making, you know, 5% of what you're doing. And I'm like, not even that, like a 1% of that. And I'm like, yeah, fair play. You know, you got to get a snap out of, snap back into reality almost. And uh, it's, it's um, yeah, it's a weird one. A lot. We've spoken people. about this. Yeah, we, we've, we've spoken about this a lot, which is the uh, the thing that I love about entrepreneurship and the fact that it's a game is that there are there are infinite levels. Like, so you said that you got bored because it got too easy, but what you probably at the time weren't, you know, weren't really like thinking about was that actually there is another level and the other level is like, I believe it's like what we're doing now, which is like, you're building an organization. There's kind of like, there's like zero to like a couple of million, zero to like 5 million where you can do what you've done, which is you build a seller product at fucking insane scale, like a relatively uh, cheap product that has high profit margins. Like you have the ability to, within a few months, you could be doing the same thing again. But then you recognize now that there's a cap to that. Like, and the cap is perhaps a monetary cap, but then it's also a, I'm just going to get bored again because I'm not challenging myself. And to me, for the next level for you as an entrepreneur is, okay, well, now the challenge to me, to me is like, okay, well, how do I get above 10 million? How do I get into the 20, 30, 40, 50, hundreds, maybe? There's there's no answer other than you have to learn how to grow and build a team. Like there's no example in 100%. the world where in history, where it's like someone's made millions or tens of millions or hundreds of millions or billions without learn, no, you know, hiring amazing people, without putting in in place structures and processes yeah uh can you can you tell us a little bit about that journey and where where you're currently at and maybe if you've had a mindset shift or anything that you've learned yeah and like you literally hit the nail on the head right like understanding that you don't know everything and if you think you know everything you probably know fuck all like because you just have no idea so when i was making that money i was like okay like i'm unstoppable i'm the e-commerce god you know this is so easy for me and then I started another e-commerce brand and it failed. So I'm like, all right, maybe I'm not. So you get a bit of a humbling slap in the face. Um, but yeah, like I was bored of it. So for me, I then had to realize what it was that I actually enjoyed. And like I said, it was the process of making the money. And, it, and I think for me, it was the, the confidence that I got of saying, I did this, you know, I made this. And that comes when you create this e-commerce brand and you're making the money, but I think it's much more rewarding if there's a business you're building rather than like a single product that is ultimately riding on a trend. So yeah, I've, I've learned that like I need a team around me that one betters me, uh, teaches me things and complements the things that I'm terrible at. Like I'm terrible at admin. Um, I'm terrible at, you know, creating structure. I've got a lot better now, but you know, working solo for the last 
five, six years by myself in locked away in my office is like, <clears throat> it's been detrimental. It hasn't been good for me. So, you know, you, you know that, like I've kind of, we've kind of stepped in together and you've been like, no, you need to be doing this. And I'm like, yeah, he's fucking right. I need to be doing that. And I need to learn how to be more structured and set out a routine. And I think that's, um, yeah, one of the biggest learnings I've had. And the, the, the kind of crazy thing for me is that uh, because you are an incredible learner, like you say stuff like I'm bad at admin, but in my opinion, that's, that is currently for you. That is just a limiting belief. Yeah. That is, it's, it's not actually that you're bad at admin. It's just that your set of circumstances and experience over the last six years or mm -hmm. your, during your entrepreneurial journey has meant that you, it's something that you haven't had to even uh, brush up as a skill set. So it's not that you're, you're maybe like naturally bad at it. It's just that as uh, you, because you're diligent as shit. Like if you look at the stuff that you've done, running ads, making content, like uh, coming up with uh, sales copy and marketing angles and hooks and all, every, all of that stuff, that is admin. That literally is, there is admin there. You, you know, I know when you create, you create decks, you create um, documents, you're capable of doing it. It's just that you've never been in a position where you've had to consider it. Cause like yeah. when you're working on your own, you just do, you just do the next thing that you're like, okay, well, I now just need to do this, but there's no one else accountable. But yeah. I'm like the kind of the, not the scary thing, um, but like the exciting, exciting and scary thing for someone like you who has so much potential is when you do, when you will learn and now master those things, you're going to be fucking unstoppable because yeah. it's like, it's like when you get your skill sets on those things where you currently have a little bit of gaps, but you're definitely going to learn them. It's like, oh shit. Then you've got like the fucking like Uber skill set of entrepreneurial, like Jedi's. Yeah, yeah, 100%. And <clears throat> you're spot on with the limiting beliefs. Like um, I say I'm bad at admin. I just don't enjoy admin. It needs to be done, but uh, I'm not necessarily bad at it. I just don't enjoy it, so I don't do it. You know, like yeah. it's just a different way of phrasing that. But um, yeah, you, you're spot on and you need, to, you need to understand what you're not currently good at and you need to learn how to do it. Because if you want to yeah. be successful in business, you don't have to deliver the work. Someone else can do it for you. But in order to hire someone, you need to understand what their role uh, needs and what they're actually doing for your company so you can choose what the right person is for that role, right? So yeah, yeah you're 100% right. And it's just like understanding as many facets of business and uh, just like independent like uh, structure for people that are working for you or how you operate, that that's what's important. Yeah, mate. And yeah, that's it. like, especially when it comes to you managing, kind of managing your time and getting better at that. Like, yeah, I see it every day. You get, you get better at every, all these little things and slowly it becomes a point to get to a point where it isn't a limiting belief. And I, I think one thing that, so like, this is actually, I'm pretty sure this is like the, one of the core uh, kind of values that Alex and Leila Hormozzi have at their company acquisition.com. Mm. The main one is, is like do the boring work. That's their mantra. Yeah. The mantra is like, is, is business like for high scale, high volume business where you make millions and potentially billions, there is a lot of boring work to get done. And 100%. you, you know, it's, you know, you have to, if you're constantly just looking for the next exciting thing, that's when you just, you're like, you're just paying, you're like, okay, new idea, new idea. Let me just fucking do this. And it's dopamine, just like, dopamine, a, dopamine, yeah. yeah, exactly. Exactly. Cause you're like, okay, well, this is just going to be the next challenge. The next challenge when actually it's okay. Well, how, what if I just do the same fucking thing for 10 years and I yeah. just become the best in the world at it. 
yeah. and it's a something that a service that people need like always need it's a classic thing that some of the the wealthiest people on earth are the ones that have the most boring companies you know yeah, they yeah. sell sell toilets or you know whatever it's like they're manufacturers of blue roll or shit like that yeah, they're yeah. the fucking wealthiest people on earth but it's not like you know they're not they're not bragging about it because no. but they they're the ones that fucking have the mansions and the private jets. Well, look at Amazon; it's pretty fucking boring. It's just a warehouse that just ships products out. Like <laughs> you know, it's not their products. They're not getting creative and making stuff. Yeah, they're making the Alexa and stuff like now, but it's still pretty boring. I don't think I'd be excited to be running Amazon, but I'd be fucking love love to wake up and check my bank account on my. Uh, mega yacht you know <laughs> um yeah no you, you're right and i think you train your brain to do hard things you need to do that your brain naturally wants a way out it doesn't want to do hard things it doesn't want to face failure it wants to avoid pain at all costs so what you need to do is like going to the gym every day most people don't ever do it because they're like ah oh, you know i don't want to go to the gym it's like well no just have a little bit of discipline go to the gym and you'll learn to then understand that your brain doesn't dictate what you do in your day-to-day -day life. If there's a hard task there, if you have to go to the gym and lift heavy weights, you don't want to do it, but you still do it. Your brain then learns that, you know, you're not just going to listen to whatever it says and the limiting beliefs that it feeds you then become redundant. So, yeah, mate. Well, we're going to wrap things up and I've got one last question for you. Uh, it is quite simple. What advice would you give to your 18 year old self? Oh, that's a good one. Wear a condom. No, 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 no. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> but advice to my 18-year-old self is just keep doing what you're doing. Like, uh, but but be a little bit more sensible with your money. Be a little bit, you know, try to learn things about finance. Make sure you understand about money when it comes into your pocket. Because that's one thing a lot of people don't know. When they start making money, they go crazy. They live a life that they can't. Uh, you know, continue living um, and then the money stops and they're fucked. So yeah, just understand a little bit more about finance, but yeah, just keep being a persistent bastard and uh, keep working your ass off because it's going to pay off. I love that. We're just, I, I want to get a little bit deeper on that one about the learning about money because this is, is super, super important for young people. Yeah. Um, is it uh, like looking back, is it because you had an assumption that, okay, I have all this money coming in and you were just like, this is just going to stay this way. I'm just going to keep on making, you know, you never was, really saw it was monopoly money, mate. It was monopoly yeah. money. Um, like I didn't, I didn't lose it all, but what did happen was, you know, prior, not even on this business really, but like other businesses, when you lose touch of what money actually is, like if you're making 250 K that's coming into your bank account every single month, you're like, all right, this, this is stupid. I can just go and spend whatever I want. And yeah. I was throwing money at like, lawyers to file trademarks for businesses that i want to set up and then i'd be like um, i don't want to set that business up anymore so like four grand down the bin Diff different Fuck. money here and there like buying nfts is a great example right i went like yeah. crazy on crypto and it's like no just have a little bit of structure like remove emotions from how you you treat your money and um yeah i, I think that the key is structure right just having structure yeah. in your life that's something that i've lacked because i've never had someone to enforce it over the last couple of years, it's the biggest thing that I've tried to focus on. Um, and it's the thing that's going to take me to hundreds of millions of dollars. So, yeah. Epic, mate. I believe that. And that's why I'm sat here with you and have a business with you because I fucking it. believe that. <laughs> so, yeah. Mate, thank you so much for, for joining me today. I think yeah, like your pleasure. story is absolutely like inspiring and 
I know that there'll be a lot of people that will look at your story and be like, okay, well, if like, if Liam can do it, like I can at least, at least yeah. have a go. Um, I would highly recommend anyone to subscribe to Liam's channel because he drops weekly videos on everything with everything to do with like, uh, kind of technology yeah. and business, online business and mindset. And, uh, he's one of the best out there. And so, yeah, very happy to have him as a business partner. Yeah, I'm very happy too. And yeah, like key point, anyone can do this. No one is a superhuman. If you're watching YouTube videos all day of people making money, that's just because they started and they tried. Like I dropped out of school at 16, didn't read a book until I was like 21. I'm a fucking idiot. And uh, somehow we're, we're doing all right. So you, you've got a chance. <laughs> <laughs> we have a chance. Right, mate. Thank you so much. And we're going to get Legend. you back on this at some point in the future. Cheers, mate. Sounds good, mate. In a bit, Tom. Peace. I hope you enjoyed that show. If you haven't already done so, hit the like button down below. Make sure to subscribe so that you can learn from the very best that I'm going to be interviewing at the Summit Club. If you didn't know this already, I also have another podcast called The Unorthodox Podcast that I do with my co-founders, Liam and Mark over at Unorthodox. We're a Web3 marketing consultancy. If you want to go check it out, it's quite a lot of fun. If you want to learn a bit more about crypto and everything Web3, that's the place to come check it out. We interview some of the most interesting people within Web3 and also executives across some of the biggest brands on the planet. Come and join us. The links are also going to be down below in the description and I'll see you next time.